Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? My name is Effie Blue, and this is the Curious Fox podcast. Curious Fox is a community for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. Every month, we pick a theme anchored in these subjects. I invite a diverse set of panelists, and we bravely explore the theme through personal stories. This month, we decided to tackle the complex feeling of compersion. Compersion is a term used by those who are practicing non-monogamy to describe the feeling of joy when their partner is enjoying another connection, interaction, or a relationship with someone else. Although it's said the concept of compersion was originally coined by the Carista commune in San Francisco in the 50s, the feeling itself is as old as the humankind. In this contemporary iteration, it may seem like an impossible feeling for some people. Feeling joy because your partner is having an intense connection with someone else? Crazy, right? Well, maybe not as crazy as you think. Firstly, the feeling itself is not isolated non-monogamy or romantic relationships. We have all felt that burst of joy for a friend who finally got their dream job or a family member looking radiant on their wedding day. We know what that feels like. The question is, can it be achieved in situations where jealousy may arise? Can it really be a viable option then? In preparation for this month's panel, I took a deep dive into this elusive yet universal feeling when what I found was thoroughly surprising. The idea of pure joy, unadulterated by self-interest, is not something non-monogamous people invented. It's in fact ancient. It's one of the four virtues of Buddhism, also known as the four immeasurables. In Sanskrit, it's called mudita. This was a huge discovery for me. The English translation of the Sanskrit word provided me with the most clarity on this virtue. Sympathetic joy. In both Buddhism and its more contemporary iteration, compersion is often mentioned as the opposite of jealousy. It's also regarded as the most difficult virtue to cultivate. And this was not lost on LT, one of our panelists who explains, despite teaching classes on compersion, he's yet to get his Captain Compersion badge. Cultivating this feeling also has enormous power, as you'll hear from Eric, another panelist this month, He attributes his closeness with his partner of seven years and now wife to actively developing this feeling. As usual, the conversation took natural turns and expanded into other areas only to find its way back to this beautiful feeling that makes my heart burst with joy. Upon a question from one of the foxes, the panelists and I got to reminisce our favorite compulsive moments with Clara sharing a heartwarming story of being on the receiving end of compulsion. Curious Fox socials are not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we look forward to your feedback. Enjoy the episode.
Good evening. Thank you for coming. I want to pass it, um, pass the mic on to my collaborator Jackie at the back, and she has some few things to say to you. Hi. Hi, and welcome, particularly to the folks who are new and the folks who continue to join us. We are Curious Fox. There's a number of things that we do here. So you are at a Curious Fox social. The goal is that you have opportunities to socialize with each other and meet each other before and after. That we we have a particular topic that you're going to hear on. There's going to be opportunities for you to ask questions. We also do Curious Fox Presents, where we have an educator or a specialist come in, and they do a workshop on a particular topic. And so we're going to be doing something on the 21st on Kink 101. So in case folks are interested in learning all things kink and asking some questions and exploring that, then join us on the 21st. Um, Every month we have a different theme. So this month the theme was about being open. Next month is the theme about and giving. And then next month is love. Um, We also have Curious Fox uh, socials. So we have little parties that go on and social events. Um, And then soirees. And then we have Consider This. Consider This is an annual conference that we do. It's like TED Talk, where we have different specialists come from around the country, share on different topics, and we ask you just to consider those things and think through those things. So if you are interested in all those things, if those things sounded new to you, then we welcome you to follow us on Instagram or on Facebook at We Are Curious Foxes, and you'll find us there. And the other thing that I want to share is we are now on Patreon. So Patreon is a fundraising website. Everything that we do here, we do out of love, and we do from grassroots. And so we ask the community to continue to support us in this work so that we can do even more events and have more things for you. So if you want to join for every five dollars you give you get to get some cool stuff you get to ask effie questions and she does live videos where she answers your specific questions um you can give ten dollars twenty dollars and for each amount that you give you get tote bags and things you get free tickets um all sorts of cool stuff so you you give and you get um but feel free to ask me questions at any point ask effie questions and we are just thrilled that you are here so thank you Starting with a theme, this month we're exploring compersion. Compersion is um, essentially the feeling that you get for somebody else's joy that has nothing to do with you, right? So um, it is actually something that we do all experience. Imagine a good friend tells you they've got a, 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 a you know job of their lifetime, the job that they want, and you feel happy for them, right? That feeling. Um, compersion is kind of what people call that feeling um, in um, romantic relationships and open romantic relationships. So it kind of applies to if your partner, for example, goes out on a date and they come back and they're like, oh my God, I had the best date ever. And, you know, we did all these things and it was so excited. In the, in that moment, can you get in that space of, um, I am happy for them, for the experience that they've had, which has nothing to do with you, right? Um, so when I, um, I, I did an event on compersion before and when I did, I sort of went into my usual um, nerdy exploration mode. And one of the things that I found out, which was huge for me, is it's not a new idea and it is not just for polyamory or an open relationship. It's actually an ancient idea. It shows up in um, Buddhism. Uh, the Sanskrit word for it is mudita. It's one of the four virtues um, that Buddha talks about. Um, and the, the English translation is sympathetic joy, right? Which makes so much sense, right? It's not empathetic joy. You're not there with them. It's sympathetic joy. You appreciate the joy that they have. Um, and this is also honored in Buddhism as one of as being the hardest, the hardest virtue to, culture, to cultivate. So we do understand that it's not something that comes easily, right? Um, there are mudita meditations. That their meditations dedicated to helping people cultivate this feeling, um, and 
this kind of tie was really interesting for me that it is it is this ancient virtue it's ancient teaching a way of being that we um that we now apply to these open relationships um and then um so that's kind of what we're going to explore here today um the other thing that people talk about compersion is this being almost opposite of jealousy um i don't necessarily Personally, I don't necessarily agree on that, but what I do think that it does is gives you a reflection to be on the other side. I do think actually you can feel, we'll talk about this a little bit about like jealousy and compersion at the same time, but what I think what it does do is it kind of gives you a counterbalance. It gives you an opportunity to be like, oh, I can choose to be in this space or I can choose to be this other space that is available. Sometimes we just don't know that space is available. For me, that's how it shows up for me. But we'll get into all that and... and um, but before that, I want to introduce my, I want my panel to introduce themselves to you. I'll start from my right. Hello, everyone. I'm <laughs> Eric. Hi, Eric. As you may have heard, <laughs> I have been practicing poly for seven years or so. Um, sort of discovered it on my own, I guess. I was, uh, I, I call it like New York City, okay, Cupid window shopping, like I, <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Um, and I kind of, I've been, I was doing that for a while and it felt like eventually it started to feel like I was lying to everyone that I was seeing. Um, even if I wasn't actually lying, it was, how was your week? Uh, it was fine. That's not the answer. You know, the answer is I went to the beach with Bree and I went, you know, to see a movie with Casey. Like I wanted to talk about the things I was doing, the people I was seeing. So I kind of just decided to start talking about everybody with <laughs> I scared a lot of people away um but some of the people I was dating uh were more open to that and then I met someone who brought me to a sex party um and that pretty much changed my life uh, in a way specifically though because I when I was there I met um I met a woman who is now running that party as well uh was starting I started dating her for we were dating for a couple years, I think. Um, I ran the party with her. Um, and there's just like the mother load of poly people um, at, 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 well, that party, but there's a lot of different things that now pull, I think, poly people together. Uh, it's, I, f I say practice poly because I don't think it's a thing. I think you can be poly minded, but I feel like poly is a practice. It's a thing you have to do. And, and the more you, you know, when you, when you're doing it, then you become, poly so uh inherently by hanging out with other poly people it, it uh, that happens um through that seven years i became very close with one uh of my partners who i just got married to in uh april august what was that august <laughs> one of those so at some point it's at some point recently um, and throughout, yeah, through seven years, we've been through, I think, pretty much every structure that we could have been where I had another girlfriend before I was boyfriend and girlfriend with her. We were then I, we were dating and I had a girlfriend and she didn't have a boyfriend where she was discovering dating, um, in our relationship. And then, and then she had a boyfriend and then the other girlfriend I had, we kind of just transitioned to friends. So then I was she had another partner and I didn't and, and then kind of backwards and forwards. And, and we've been through, um, it's interesting. We've been through a lot and we both kind of teach, we teach it a lot. I mean, in running large parties with poly people, you, you tend to talk about it a whole lot. 
Um, so we've been through an, uh, every different kind of structure that we think we could find, but then something else happens. That's the first time that that happens. So we're constantly learning together and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Great. Um, can I pass it on to you? Yeah, go ahead. Hello. My name is Clara. I think you will soon notice it almost like a noticeable accent in me. I write, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's, so it's, I, I work so hard at hiding it's not true. Uh, I'm Italian. I'll say it right, right away so it's clear. So let's see. Uh, the journey into poly. I, I think for way before hearing about it, I certainly, like probably many of you as well, I had a sense of... Oh gosh, there has to be something different and why do we make such a big deal about the fact that we may experience attraction to other people besides our primary partner and but I you know I grew up in Italy I only moved here 12 years ago so definitely there even less than here there was nothing of this kind so no framework whatsoever so it's almost as like when you you know when you don't have the vocabulary for something it's almost you cannot perceive it or you can you can even fathom that there can be something else so I just had you know I had that I actually remembered one as I was preparing for tonight an episode where I was reading an Italian novel soon after I moved to New York and somewhere in it was not a deep novel just so you know and I think that I would recommend necessary but <laughs> but but there was a point towards the end of the book where the protagonist who and he and his partner would end up with a co- um, living separately but being together and it was like the first kind of inkling of different possibilities and I was reading that I was like oh that's cool you know that I can see that yeah that 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 sounds cool and then things like that, you know, started to resonate at times. I had a couple of very unsuccessful attempts at articulating this when I didn't have a framework for that. Didn't work well at all. Some people still do not speak to me to this day. <laughs> and, and then at some point, actually, I encountered the term for the first time about nine years ago and with a former partner of mine and uh, he had been in a poly relationship so he said you know I wasn't a poly what when I what a pa I was like oh yeah that's interesting and it wasn't immediately oh god there's something there's something that can capture what I was thinking now unfortunately he hadn't been like overly excited about it so it was more like yeah you know I was in that but it was a bit painful and challenging but it had, it, aside from that, this was probably one of the first very kind of conscious or a, let's call it emotionally mature relationship that I had. And so even though we really were not poly, we navigated our relationship with a lot of transparency and with the idea of, uh, you know, if things comes up, come up, uh, we, let's talk about it. And so let's not hide from that. And it just, thing did not come up for a while until they did come up. And so eventually I, f- I really felt very hard in love with someone after maybe three years into our relationship. We spoke about it. We tried, the three of us, I mean, not necessarily all together, but one-on-one in some ways. Eventually me and my former partner transitioned and since, and very amicably to the point that I still cohabit with him four years later. It's like become like my 
best buddy, and he off, he's often here, not tonight, but he's another fox. He's an amazing person. For the records. Okay. <laughs> Just in case. He's Just in case. <laughs> not going to name you, but you know. And, uh, and since then, since that transition, and uh, I really went more into wanting to explore this more consciously. And, and that's, of course, when I met Effie, because things just happen when, when you're ready for them. At that point, though, I think this is interesting to mention, there started to be something else that was very relevant to my exploration, which was uh, um, I started practicing and studying nonviolent communication. I'm sure some of you may have heard that. And uh, I think most people know about that uh, more from the kind of the language model of some, some form of speaking and in a certain way. And um, the way I arrived to that was a bit different. And I was taught NVC more as a really, I want to say, as a map to understand my life from a perspective of needs. And so NVC as a practice led me to really deconstruct almost all the things that all the assumptions that I had about how things should work and, and how to make decisions in my life. And of course, one of the first things that came was how to do relationships and and so um, that, and that also led me to a complete career transition. I was a scientist before. That's what brought me here to the States. And then uh, f since about four years ago, I shifted. I left my older job. And now I teach nonviolent communication. And uh, it was quite the leap. Uh, but that was so important. That's, wh that's where we met. But it was so crucial because, uh, and I think it informed a lot of the way I approached Polly. Um, which was more of, I, I call it like, I feel like I resonate with the idea of, of anarchy, but in, for me, anarchy means uh, kind of needs-based or agreement-based, conscious relationships. I mean, I don't want to, it's kind of, I approach it in a way where I, I don't take for granted the form that my connections can take, and I allow them or allow the people in them to slowly discover where, you know, where we, can we land in our connection. So... So in that sense, uh, um, fast forward to, to now, I mean, I, again, I think I more consciously started to walk the polypath, maybe, uh, I would say four years ago, because that was happening alongside with my career transition. I did not have a lot of bandwidth to date, honestly, it was, you know, I felt so shaky, so unstable that the least of the things on my mind was exposing myself to something more. It was like letting go of all reference points but but I brought it in the way I dated usually I dated for a couple of years one person at a time in spite of still bringing the the intention of openness and when I wanna this is how I want to approach it and uh but yes with uh with really more of most of my energy focused on on the the changing careers and then it was actually just this past summer I was like okay now maybe you know start to feel a bit more comfortable here maybe opening up horizons a little bit more and of course lo and behold something appeared someone appeared right at that point here at curious fox and so it does happen it does happen and uh yeah so since i would say so since the summer it's been really quite a deep dive into into more of the uh real um experience of poly meaning 
having multiple partners and uh, for the first time connecting with metamorphs or with my partner's partners. And uh, I'm, yeah, I don't, yeah, don't think it's like something uh, after discovering it, there's no way I could, I could not embrace for me, you know, this way of approaching relationships. And, and that doesn't exclude in my view that then you, you may, you know, everyone may choose the form that best suits them. So whether, and that to me, we may include being monogamous if that's a choice. And I love that's very much usually how you present that. So there's a lot more and I'm looking forward to share all sorts of, you know, nuances, but I'll shut up now. <laughs> thank and, you. Uh, thank you're you welcome. Beautiful. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm LT. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a native New Yorker. Um, I identify as a queer person, uh, also as non-binary and polyamorous. So I try to hit all the <laughs> all the boxes so that no one wants to talk to me. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's very fun. Um, I'm also a uh, pleasure-based sex educator as well, and I teach a myriad of different. Well, I should say lead. I don't really think of it as teaching uh, because I learn a lot uh, working with people. But yeah, so we lead a myriad of courses uh, with uh, my good friend uh, who is a uh, pro dom, and yeah, yeah, we do kink classes, we do intimacy classes. Uh, we t- I talk about conversion every once in a while. It comes up. Uh, and as far as my journey uh, relationship-wise, I always kind of reevaluate it. And sometimes I have to remind myself not to discount discount the time uh, where you feel like you weren't as present or you weren't doing it as well or you weren't as emotionally mature. Uh, so I think uh, the piggyback of what Clara said, um, consciously uh, with the poly community and really, like I said, building a community, I would say about five years. I like to tell people I've been non-monogamous since I was at least eight years old. Uh, there's, there's context to that. I'll, I'll try to make it quick. Um, so I wasn't romantically seeing anyone, uh, but I would, always go, I would always go to my parents and ask them why people only were married to one person. Yeah. So my mom was really big about counter-education, I suppose. So I'd go to school, I'd learn something, I'd come home, and she'd make me learn something else. So <laughs> I'd have to study all these different, um, all these different cultures uh, around the world, and then they would come up. So I would ask, and they would just, the only answer I would get was, well, bigamy is illegal. And I was like, well, that's not really a great answer, you know? <laughs> like, most of the stuff that was going on in, in my community, even within my home, was illegal. So I'm like, well, it's not really like a... a a thing. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, that's not really an answer. Um, uh, but but I never wanted to have one best friend. Um, you know, I never wanted to play one sport. Uh, you know, so there was never a thing where I felt like I needed to choose. Um, so the first experience, I would say, um, I shouldn't say the first. We'll just we'll speed up. We're going. Do-do-do-do. So I've been chasing polyamory. That's how I like to describe it. Chasing polyamory trying to find a community, trying to find language around it, um, trying to not force myself to fit in with something that I didn't feel uh, came naturally to me. Uh, so I would say 2002, I was living in Atlanta. I'll make it real quick, Abby. 2002, I was living in Atlanta. I, I met, um, again, this is a long time ago, right? There was no, the internet wasn't really popping like that. So you kind of, you had to meet people the old fashioned way. You had to meet them in somewhere, right? And um she had had she was a member of a sex club 
that was maybe about 15 minutes from my house near uh, this area called Six Flags. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was right near Six Flags. Um, I don't want to shout out the club. They don't know free, uh, free publicity. So um, I met her and um, she had said, oh yeah, listen, I'm a member of this club. She was very open. She was very uh, free and very liberated. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, she was like, yeah, I'm going to this club. Would you like to go Saturday? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I knew about it. Trust me, I knew all about this club. And I remember calling my best friend. And I was like, hey, guess where I'm going tomorrow night? And he was like, where? So I said the name. He was like, motherfucker. <laughs> not Compersion. <laughs> it was not Compersion. He was not He was not joyous. He was not joyous for me. Um, no, at least not in the moment, at least not in the moment. And um, that night, um, and that really was like one of our first uh, dates, which is interesting. And I tell people, it's the, I saw someone, I saw them have sex with someone before I ever had sex with them. And there was nothing, nothing came up. Like I didn't like, I wasn't like, oh, this is gross. I wasn't turned off by it. I wasn't, I, I really was excited about how liberated everyone felt and how free everyone was. And I had some of the best conversations in the back of that place, which is, you know, another story. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's who I am for the most part. And, uh, I've experienced a lot of different, uh, relationship styles. Um, I've gone back and forth. There's times where I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm willing to try any relationship that feels like it fits, uh, the partners involved. And I still believe that. Uh, just without monogamy. So yeah, that's, that's where we are. And I'm, I'm happy to be here with you folks. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, LZ. Let me introduce myself quickly. I will keep it short. Um, my name is Effie Blue. I'm a relationship coach. Um, I work with people who are curious about transitioning into or have hit some sort of a roadblock in um, open relationships, non-monogamy. That's what I do by day. And then um, this is my passion project. We've been doing, I've been doing this for three years. Um, I bring people, like these amazing people, and we pick a theme and we talk about it and we bring a, a put together a community of people to sort of explore in their own way. And that's what I do in my spare time. And then whatever is left, um, I concentrate on my relationships, um, which is not much time. <laughs> um, so personally, I um, live with a partner um, and I've been polyamorous for about five years. Um, and similar to most of these stories, a part of me is kind of known that the traditional structure just doesn't work for me. And for a long time, I felt like I was... Just I was just I sucked at relationships. That's a story I told myself. I just suck at relationships, and then I um, one thing led to another, and I sort of had this like crash into the non-monogamous sex-positive community in New York City, and suddenly a light bulb went on, and I was like, oh. It's not that I suck at relationships. I just suck at a certain type of relationship. And that's not, the only, that's not my only option. So I was like, oh, okay, I get that. So, and that was kind of the beginning of my exploration. And then um, similar to like Clara and NBC, I was kind of um, really taken by this idea and, uh, you know, a natural nerd. So I went into this deep dive and, and decided to sort of learn anything and everything that I can learn about non-monogamy. And um, sort of that led to me passing a lot of my my knowledge on to other people and that eventually led to me into this coaching and then doing events like this so that other people can have that experience of oh there isn't just one size fits all relationship there are other ones too um and then my own personal relationship i have a a, 
um, a life partner whom I live with. Um, my other partner and um, his wife lives downstairs. Um, we all live in the same building together. It's beautiful and great. We're kind of a, it's like what people call kitchen table poly, um, which essentially means that every now and then we get to uh, sit around the table, break bread and check in and see how everyone's doing. Um, we've been doing that now for... So my partner, uh, my partner who lives downstairs and I have been together for now three years. Um, he and his wife has been, been together for four years. My, um, my partner who lives me, with me has moved in a few months in November. And he and I have been together for over a year. Um, and we kind of live in this space and it's working out for us. Um, and there is a lot of compersion. Um, I think people always ask, like, why does it work for you guys? You're like, it works for you and, and everyone's thriving. Like, how do you make it happen? Some of it is definitely hard work. And, you know, relationships are hard work regardless of what shape and size they come in. Um, they really are, even in a monogamous relationship. Even with your relationship with yourself, you need to put the work in. Um, so in any relationship, there is work. Um, so some of it is that we do put the work in. And the other one is we kind of lucked out a little bit. I think dispositionally, we're not jealous people. Like, we, it doesn't come up in many areas of our lives. Um, we're also people that have other passions outside. So we have this balance to the relationship we're not just all about the the relationship so we have these passions and balance um and we also um kind of find these moments of joy for one another and um really celebrate what's working and what's what's happening with with the other person so we're also in tune with the other people's passions so when good things happen um we're able to celebrate that and that includes um meeting new people which is a passion of ours meeting new people in relationships so it kind of folds in with everything else that we're doing um so we find those moments of joy and celebration um in each other's relationships and that's kind of how it works in our household um, and that kind of brings us to the end of the intros. And this is where we open it up to you guys to ask any questions that you have. Um, yeah. My question isn't exactly about compersion, but I feel like it's related. So currently I have two lovers. Both are seeing other people. Um, one is kind of single, poly, and dating. The other lives with his girlfriend. Um, and they've been together like seven years and have known each other much longer than that. I'm having no issues with like being happy for either of them, for the one when he's with his girlfriend, um, the other when he's dating. Like I'm not having a problem with jealousy or compersion, but what is happening with me, which I think is kind of related because it's another kind of learned, taught, cultural thing, is... The one who has a girlfriend, who I've met, she's lovely, adorable. They're a fantastic couple. Like, I really enjoyed meeting her and seeing them together and, you know, think they're great. Um, when I see him, we have a great time. And then I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, that was great last night. I feel great. And then I have a thought that is, what are you doing fucking someone else's boyfriend? You know, I I grew up with this idea that you never date someone else's boyfriend. You never go anywhere near someone else's boyfriend. And so rather, I don't have a problem with feeling happy for them when they're with someone else. But I do wake up in the morning and I slut shame myself, you know, even though it was her idea to open up the relationship. She's bi and wants to 
see women and encouraged him to start seeing other people so you know she would feel okay about seeing other people she absolutely gave me the thumbs up and the green light and we like each other like she has no issue with it but i wake up in the morning and i this historical cultural stuff comes up like why the hell are you fucking someone else's boyfriend Sorry about all the cursing. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm just wondering, like, what what you guys think about that and how you sort of unpack that other message. You know, it's not a message like compare and despair. Oh, they're with someone else, and I feel terrible because they're with someone else. It's it's, but I feel like it's kind of related. It sounds like guilt and shame. Oh, is that what you would call? Like, is that is that what you would name? Yeah, those feelings of guilt and shame. At least shame. Shame. Uh-huh. I don't feel guilty because she knows about it and she's fine with it. But there is an element of 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 shaming myself. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is maybe something that, in general, is uh, how I relate when I catch myself judging myself for something, which is, uh, and this is a, a bit again inherited from from the NVC but there's something about okay I catch myself judging myself what is the judgment trying to do to me or to tell me? and I am in the process of dating also someone who is in a longer term primary relationship and I have felt at times like okay am I just you know you know breaking their harmony or who is who and what am I gonna do and uh, and I find it helpful rather than you know kind of slut shaming myself translated that I, I really I really care for them and I value their connection and I really maybe two things on the one thing I really want to make sure that they're okay and that there is a sense of care and support and on my end maybe I still have to give myself some self-compassion about how much I have judged myself for that and so maybe there's a deep yearning for for acceptance and for you know, kind of almost like a, a self-forgiveness. And I, I also think it's like, who do I think I am that I'm so powerful to destroy their relationship? You know, mm-hmm. like it's a bit of blowing myself out of proportion in terms of the importance. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I, a lot of it is that I really like her, mm-hmm. you know, and I really like how they are together. And I, you know, I, I value what I see in them as a couple and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like in that way, I can just own the vulnerability of I am. I am scared that maybe I'm, I can mess up. I am. I'm concerned. I mean, I am a vulnerable person that is stepping into something new. But it sounds to me so much better than telling myself, you know, I'm. I'm whatever words I can use for that. So I try to see what what needs is that judgment trying to you know, kind of to meet or to or to protect and then center on them and seeing what that informs me to do whether it's communicating with them you know or or if is there something maybe that's deeper hidden in there so that's one part but if if other want to add well i don't know um you said you met her and you think that she's lovely um what i uh, and I don't know how much you, the three of you, have hung out, but um, for me, I guess I'm I'm a little spoiled, I suppose, in that um, a lot of the people I date were a part of a large community, like I said, of people who just hang out all the time. So we're we know everyone very well, um, but to me, that's always really it's differentiated um, relationships from people. 
Um, and relationships are things that people have with each other, but in each person is their own person, really. Even my partners are not my relationship, but they're their own person. Um, and so the more I think that you can learn about and be a part of actually their relationship as well, um, that's always been really meaningful to me because any other partner that I've been, I've, I've had a primary most of my poly uh, life, I suppose. And any other relationship I have has to exist in and around my primary relationship. Um, if it's the more separate it is, the more it feels like it's, it's not a part of my life. Right. So if you, you know, and I don't know if you're comfortable with that, but but I think the more comfortable that you are with with the both of them and with their relationship and can be a part of their relationship because you are, um, you'll feel not only will this feel better, I think, for you, but for for them as well. Um, I like to advocate shame free. Sexual positivity. Um, uh, another little bubble I put myself in is I also practice um, relationship anarchy. Um, so. What I what I would say about uh, what I think um, I'm hearing you uh, bring up is there's a, a blockage to self acceptance that happens a lot of times uh, when you first start uh, opening up your relationships uh, or you're meeting people and you're you know you're you're seeing how deep their relationship goes. Um, so yeah, you're maybe waking up and you're saying, oh, what am I doing this for? What am I doing that for? Uh, that socially conditioned ideas uh, that have built been. You know, these pathways have been drawn in your mind for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, you're just working through those things. Um, but you should ask yourself, this this makes me happy. This sparks joy. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm able to be open. I'm able to be honest. Um, I'm able to be accepted by these folks. Right. This relationship is 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 welcoming to you. Right. So you we have to practice that with ourselves as well. So I have to be welcoming to myself. I have to be honest with myself and say, yeah, this is, this is what I want. And, and sometimes it's, it's hard because you're still dealing with, you know, old thoughts. You're still dealing with the community that maybe you grew up in. You're dealing, dealing with the family structures that you've dealt with. And, and that lack of acceptance there sometimes falls onto us when we're alone. And one of the things Eric brought up was about community and overlap. So once you start changing, hopefully, once you start being able to build more of a community, and like you were saying, getting to know uh, folks who uh, view relationships similarly, um, then you start replacing those ideas. So now the vo voices in your head go from, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, to, yeah, you should do it. You should, yeah, yeah, you should definitely do it, right? So um, once you start replacing your community voices, it, it, you know, it changes the dynamic. So yeah, I think you, yeah, you're, just, you're getting there. I think it sounds lovely. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point that I, I encourage people that I work with, um, clients all the time, I call it changing the noise. Um, so the noise that we have around us that we don't realize, every, all the messages that we're getting is a certain way. And there's a, a lot can change inside you if you change the noise around you. And that's why like the resources that I share with people, it's like people you can follow, podcasts you listen to, shows, that, shows books, you know, YouTube channels, like a bunch of things that if you just want to plug some of that into your life and change the noise around you, including community, so how people are talking about their own relationships, that has changed a lot for me. And, you know, I think 
I, I like to have a balance of that noise. So like mainstream as well as as like sort of within the community. And I think we don't realize how much we're affected by that. So, you know, just think about the noise around you. Like what are you what are you hearing all the time? And like tune it tune it in. Like take take control of it. And like tune it in to what, what you wanna what you wanna hear. Um if she said you have to negate the noise that's around you. Okay. And I would say, I would go even further. I would say that for women, it's even more difficult. Because what you were describing is compersion, but for the girl, not, f- not for the man, not for your friend as such. So it was a displaced way of, it was empathy for her. And because we have been trained this way, in a way of feeling guilty or or being the bad one, or breaking up, you know, like the beach, or the, the witch, or whatever you call it, it's very cultural and very hard. So I think that uh, your compersion was not for your, should be for yourself, not for her. In other words, that allow yourself to, to have pleasure. But you know, because you're in a poly part, that the beauty of it is that you're not hurting her because she knows about it and she accepts it. For me, that's the most important part. And that's where the ethics come in because why we call it ethical slut is because you don't want to hurt nobody because you're happy. So it's very gendered, um, gender role as well. And it's not easy, but... No, you're right. But yeah, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. So I am blessed to be in a really lovely triad well not not triad a a partner whose partner I really love so I've been lucky so far despite being a Scorpio not having had a lot of jealousy in this but the one time I did notice was when I felt like I wasn't full and this specifically happened when he was traveling and because of the situation like he was able to see her more frequently, but not me. And he and I were like able to meet for dinner and stuff, but not really be intimate. So I was feeling like really like I was, you know, being teased and kind of like had to really just stay present to my desire for him, but not be able to do anything about it. Curious if any of you've had that experience of ultimately, how do you show up in compersion and loving and giving when you feel like your needs are not being met and then you have to watch your partner give that to someone else. Um, so that's one. And <laughs> the other question is I am also starting to date uh, or have, I'm interested in dating a man that has seemed to reciprocate the attraction who ha- who is aware of how poly works, has a lot of friends who've been poly and his experience has been that people get you know, people at some point always want to close their relationship for a little bit. And he's has expressed concern that that might be, you know, something that might come up. How do you like navigate that in the day to day when that is a possibility that's really present? Cool. Thank you. Good questions. Um, just to sort of summarize, essentially, how do we how do we find the space for compersion when our needs aren't met in a relationship? Start with that one. I don't exactly have an answer for that, um, but because I, I think it's it's a thing you have to work through. Um, there's no easy answer, I think, for that. What I have found in looking at with that jealousy, um, and you kind of answered your own question there. I feel like, which is um, just the communication, mm-hmm. like it all like 
that is almost always the source of problems like that and almost always the answer that that I have found is um, articulating what you need or what you're not getting and talking about what they need and and working on on some way to make you and them and and everyone kind of happy in a way. Um, And that's not always possible, uh, obviously, but the more that it's not just kind of you feeling these feelings. Um, the other, the other really, I think important thing that, that I've learned about, um, it sounded kind of like you were talking about jealousy or, or like feeling that feeling of, of jealousy, that like J word that, that people are (laughs) nervous about. Um, I actually really, I, I like that feeling because I, I've found that I, what I feel, what I'm actually feeling when I feel that is envy. And to me, that's a useful feeling because now I've learned something new about myself that I maybe you didn't realize you wanted to drive them to the airport specifically, right? But now you you know that, and and you know if and when that happens again, you're able to use those tools to set yourself up for for a better, you know. There's if that, that happens, feelings get hurt all the time, but. Um, I think there's a lot of learning you can do and t- talk about it. Don't hold that in. Obviously, come to a meeting and talk to all of us about it. That's a, that's a great start, you know? Yeah, I, I love your question, and I, I resonate with that a lot, as in uh, one of the relationship that is the dearest to me as is, in a way, has, a, um, I can call it a triad in some way, and uh, although I'm very, always so reluctant to labels, but in a way, there are two people that I really love very deeply, and... Uh, and uh, it began more you know, with, with one of the with one of them, and then my initially metamor then become became also a partner to me, and that is a very interesting and delicate dynamics. In that it's like almost like the three one on one dynamic plus what emerges from the three of us together. And I think it, it's one thing that's very very important to me is that we all pay attention to each of these relationships almost and make and because there are needs almost for all of them and uh, like being careful to name them and to not you know we can't assume that they're all you know equal we have you know we have different nuances in the in the, in the you know in uh, I think in uh, in each of our connections and I think it's uh, it's important that we pay attention for example that we you know we we value the one-on-one time that we have and to pay attention when when maybe circumstances do not allow for that to to at least name that you know like even in a situation like the one you described like where you were to where there was a discomfort for you and and an unmet need and maybe the situation couldn't change to maybe just make space to just name that okay there is a discomfort i can feel that it's okay it's gonna happen maybe not being scared to sometimes like i you know i'm scared even to admit it because like you know to one of them because oh my god that doesn't mean that i i don't know that i love the other person less or, but no, you know, it's okay. We're going to feel things. And uh, I find that uh, at least, and we had recently an experience when one of us brought up an, an experience of, uh, of jealousy for, for, uh, in, a, in an episode or an imbalance of, of attention. And, and we named it. And we kind of, even just the, the experience of, of listening to, to one another and, and really bring... Uh, and a, a lot of empathy 
inability to just listen. We don't necessarily need to fix the thing. We can just listen, make space, acknowledge. And most often, once that happens, the problem is not even longer there. The other thing for me, it's sort of along the lines of what Clara is saying, is that um, for me, I keep an eye on like episodes versus trends. Um, and that's, that's important to me. Like just episode, episodes of miscommunication, episodes of like, oh, it didn't feel good versus trend of I'm not getting my needs met. And this is, this relationship doesn't make me happy. This doesn't, this relationship doesn't bring me joy. Right. There is no space for joy versus here are these like human to be human is to be flawed. And here where we like, you know, just we're being human like we're just miscommunicating and we're being human and it doesn't work so it's just episodes because feelings are going to get hurt we are flawed communication is hard our relationships are hard i think and then just to to to, to recognize that it's just an episode and that we're not drowned by it we're not defined by it um that you know we name it in, in the hopes that it won't happen again um but also realizing that it just might you know, and as long as it doesn't define your relationship and it's not the trend, I think you kind of just live and work through it. Um, one of the things that I say to people, the idea for me, the ideal is to build relationships that can withstand the humanity of the people inside it. Um, and I think that's then that's allowing for just we're going to fuck up. You know, we're going to hurt one another. Hopefully we build a shell that allows us to like heal within that within that structure as well. Um, and your other question was about um, what if one person decides not to be open? What happens then? So what if uh, one person decides that they want to change the relationship agreement? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it goes back to communication, um, discussing it and, you know, knowing where your where your boundaries are and what your needs are. I mean, someone might say, hey, listen, I, you know, I want to close my relationship. Um, and you might say, well, I'm not sure if I want to do that. And they say, well, I didn't mean with you, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, there's an interesting thing. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't mention it in the beginning. So, um, so I, te- I teach a class on compersion and there's actually a video floating around with me talking about it. Uh, so that kind of puts me in a, a position where um, people might think I'm like Captain Compersion. Uh, but there's 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 a difference like what Effie said about uh, longing for something, uh, feeling jealousy, feeling envy um, or insecurity about your relationships. <clears throat> now, someone coming to me and saying, you know, I'm insecure that if I go into an open relationship that I may want to close it at some point. Um, to me, that's like you saying, Hey, I want the job, you know, but I think I might quit maybe in a month later. Right. So it's, it's a signal to me that all right, may, maybe you still have a lot to work on. And it's about seeing um, not just is this person attractive and sexy and wonderful and a good friend and all those things. But also, can I be the type of partner this person needs? Can that person be the type of partner I need? Um, So yeah, for me personally, there's, you know, I'm not closing it, but uh, if they decided to do that, I would say I'm always open to uh, discussing our relationship agreement. Uh, Things are fluid. And I think if you're open to doing that, uh, then you can communicate around what your boundaries are. And maybe there's some medium there. You know, maybe that person doesn't want to see someone else, uh, but it's happy if you do. Um, so it's just really about talking about what 
what it, what can work in your in between your relationship in between the two of you or the three of you or the four of you i don't know how many people are involved in this one of the things i find is so special about um poly is it's sort of the labels kind of become a little bit more fluid in a way like at what point are you like my girlfriend or obviously uh, i've got the government involved with my wife but other than that there's really <laughs> other than that there's no hard um, defining terms for things and I think what's really special about it is that you're able to have a relationship with someone and let it be kind of where you are right and and people change all the time this is why monogamous relationships don't work because people change eventually and they need something different um, I would suggest as People can like close and, and this doesn't always apply because sometimes the relationship structure is like, I don't want you seeing these other people anymore. Um, but I've had, I have had a lot of relationships where we were dating and sleeping together and then we sort of just both became really good friends and we're still friends today. Or I have a girlfriend and she, she thinks that she's gay or, or I think she is gay. Like, like, and so I, I think we're like still my girlfriend but we're not sleeping together anymore it's very like there's a lot of it, the the sleeping together and the relationship don't have to be the same right like the relationship you have with people can be the, that let it just be that and it can change as people change i think yeah and within in line with change also going into a relationship with a bunch of what ifs right like what if you decide to change you know relationship structure what if you get hit by a bus what if you you know like you can't you can't it is so, you can't go in there with what ifs you know ideally um for me what i think it works is like being present and agreeing on a set of values for that relationship and for yourself and for that relationship and and just showing up present in line with those values and and and, and sort of show up that way within the relationship rather than making up all these like what if what if what if what if what if because once you start that game there's no end to that game you can come up with a million what ifs good and bad right things that you do want and you don't want i think and it kind of does disservice to the people it's just a waste of energy time and effort that you can use that on being present and connecting and having communications and discussing values and showing up in that way because there's no value in the what ifs really just uh, I wanted to add uh, one thing thinking about it. So I have these really two, I have two really good friends and their partners have been partners for uh, about seven or eight years. And uh, they describe themselves as polyamorous. Uh, I love them a lot. I'm not romantically involved with them, uh, but they go through periods of, you know, a little bit more closed, a little bit more open. Um, so there is a lot of value to that has really aided their relationship. So there's times where, oh, Q's mom was really sick. And, you know, we really needed to kind of come together. And I said to spend a lot more of my time, you know, holding space for Q and her and her family. Um, and at that time, I wasn't dating a lot of people, you know, or, you know, I my job changed or I don't feel good about this or maybe there's children involved. So there's times where you're going to go through different periods of maybe you're a little bit more open, a little bit more closed. Right. Um, I think it's not creating an absolute not creating these boundaries, right? Because we're interested in open relationships. The open part for me is being open-hearted, being open-minded, you know, not so much being so rigid where I'm saying, well, we're closed now, 
And it's like, okay, what does that mean? Are we close to business? Does it like what, what? What does it entail? Does it mean you can't watch adult films? I mean, like what? What? Where, where does you know? Where does it go? Right. So it's more. It's more about what does our relationship need? You know. And if someone says, "Hey, listen, you know, uh, I'm working three jobs. I don't have time to to, to see anyone else right now." And uh, maybe you like dating together, and you're like, "Okay, well, let's delete all the apps and let's hang out for a little while." So I think just you know, like everyone's saying, check in, check in with your your partner, and no, yeah, no what ifs. If you teach classes, everyone's coach what if what if this what is it what is this right and i'm like well you know what if your cat bark and your dog you know and your, and your dog meow that's basically my answer to that <laughs> what yeah um question we have a, do we have another question um i recently exited my first ever poly relationship and i'm trying to figure out there's a database term called rolling back your changes do i need to like roll back my understanding of how poly i may or may not be do i need to roll back the facebook posts where i referenced more than two do i need to um do i need to put a different message out there given the possibility that i still might be a hopeless monogamous romantic like my ex-fiance was three and a half years ago um, just all of those questions to the panel and thank you for everything you've said. Well, like I said earlier, I feel like poly is a thing you do. Um, I, I, I feel like I am poly, uh, but if I wasn't practicing it with, um, other partners, then I would just, I don't know, like poly minded. I suppose that could be a thing, but, um, if you feel so, I guess then to answer your question is that. If you feel like that was the right structure for you, um, I don't see the need to, I don't think you have to roll that any of that back. I would say continue to look for other other people that are, are, are open. Um, and I guess it depends on what you, what you need. Uh, I think you, you are gonna have the answers for some of those better than any, uh, like we would. Um, but it's a, Again, like we were saying uh, earlier, a lot of this is just about the relationship that you have with people and, and what you need from them. Um, you've learned, I don't know how long your last poly relationship was, but I imagine you'd learn some useful skills about that, which I think could be applied to monogamous relationships as well, communication and things like that. Um, so yeah i don't know it depends on yeah sorry if that. <laughs> so in part i think maybe it's uh yeah there's a big it depends because i don't know exactly it sounds like do i understand correctly that you're saying that you're in a way questioning you're being really poly after the end of this relationship so has there been something that felt didn't work out the way you were imagining it could is it something in that direction yeah yeah, to me, it's really, it's it's all learning. And, you know, it's, I see it's very kind of dy- dynamic. And uh, I, I was recalling something that I, I think I heard from uh, Elizabeth Sheff when, when she came here about, um, you were saying, Polly, something you do. And I think, and she was mentioning how, you know, there's, in a way, you can see Polly as, a, as an orientation and Polly as a choice, right? So in a way, for some people, it's something as, a, is very, it feels very like, Almost like yeah, you know, something that I identify myself with. That once I find it, that that's me. It's like how I love, you know, and it's very natural. As opposed to 
or not as opposed to, but alongside with also being a choice that, okay, it makes sense based on the values that I have. Like for me, there's like a value of honesty and authenticity and, and freedom that I just want to kind of champion them for people in general. Then for me, so going back to that, so whether then a particular form is going to work for me, I think it may depend on, on a lot of different things. Maybe where I am in my life in a certain moment, what what needs are standing out. So I, I'm not sure if I would question uh, completely, like maybe that, you know, is it, is this, I don't see necessarily as black or white, but maybe there's something is going on there that maybe you weren't clearly seeing. So what is the, the, the interesting question is, okay, what is that? Is it about how to experience a sense maybe of stability or security or so consistency? I don't know. There can be many things. Once you identify that, then maybe you can uh, see, okay, then what form or of relating could support that? What, what other ingredients do I need maybe to have that without questioning necessarily the label per se i don't know if it makes sense a bit yeah so we can we can get loose here we can get loose i'm i'm, I'm ready to get loose okay yeah yeah so, okay cool. yeah yeah so um I, i'm glad um, i'm glad you brought up um very uh patriarchal uh or heteronormative uh societal standards on relationships i'm glad you brought that up yeah, you know, and another thing, it's it's you know bringing that into your open relationships or bringing it into polyamory, it, it like you know, like fuck that noise, like seriously, um, you're gonna just recreate that same dynamic each time. And questioning if you're polyamorous or not, um, relationships don't work. I mean, I know what I mean that, and not like they don't ever work. I'm saying relationships don't work. They they don't work out. Sometimes you have a partner and it's just not a good fit. You know, they, you have an agreement and they just go out and break every agreement. And then you have other partners where uh, you're being asked to do things that don't feel natural to you. So just because I call it a certain type of relationship doesn't mean it's automatically going to work. So there's no fix. There's no like, ah, damn, you know, every time I'm in a monogamous relationship, it doesn't work out. I'm just going to do this poly thing. And then that's not working out, right? Because now you've, you've basically what I've done is um, I've opened a pizzeria and I'm losing money. And then I open another one a couple blocks down, right? It's just like, and it's like, well, how are you feeling at this business? Why are you opening another business? Right? So it's, it, it's, it's, it, it, turned into, it turns into that. So I have to look at how I'm approaching it. Like, how am I approaching my relationships? How present am I? You know, how intimate am I? How vulnerable am I? Right? And then in order for me to fully assess where I'm at and what I can bring into a relationship. And then when you start meeting new partners and adding to that, uh, you'll figure out where your where your edges are. You'll figure out where your bandwidth is, as they say. And you might be, I've met people that I'm like, oh, you're so wonderful. And they're like, you know, I'm kind of polysaturated right now, right? So, um, and that's, and that's, and, that, and that's, that's really self-aware to know that. Like, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I, I'm, you're seeing too many people. You know, even times I, I got to pull back because the people are, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing Saturday? What are you doing Saturday? What are you doing Saturday? Right. So I'm just like, God damn. Right. So I'm like, well, between one, you know, and, you don't, and I don't want to do that because it's very mechanical. Right. Um, the other thing I would add, not to go on forever, uh, but this kind of got me worked up uh, in a good way, in a very, in a very good way. Um, is, you know, you meet people, we meet, we meet each other 
Uh, we all come into the community to learn. We're all learning no matter where we've been in our, in our journey. Uh, but in the beginning, uh, there's, because it's become so accessible, I think nowadays, um, people are, are jumping right in. Like they just jump in. I mean, they like, you know, two feet in They're on, they're on, you know, this app, they're on this website. They're at, you know, they're at curious Fox. They're at the party. Eric's throwing, you know, they're at the pool party You know, everywhere I go, I see him. I'm like, shit. Right. Um, so people are like jumping head first, like deep, deep in, right. Deep in. They don't know where their edges are. They don't know what's going to come up for them. And they're just way in, right. They're way in. And, and, and you don't realize you're jealous until someone's, your partner is like tied up, suspended. There's a flogger. There's wax, right? There's like, you know, 15 different people. There's a pool. And you're like, what in the hell just happened? Right? Um, so so I, I, think it's, I think it's important to uh, do, do the, um, to really, to really take, take your time with it. You know, really take your time. There's, there's, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying I'm poly-minded, you know, or I feel poly as an identity. But I'm not ready for I'm not ready for LT to be in the kitchen. Like just I'm not ready for that, right? So as opposed to saying, I need to be ready and I wanna be ready, right? Because we're we're fearful of doing something wrong. Like I'm a poly wrong. I'm I'm a bad poly person. Like if you've probably heard it a billion times. Like I if I wish I had a dollar. Every time someone said, I just feel like, you know, I'm just bad at poly, I'm just a bad poly person. And I'm just like, I don't even know what that means. You know? It's almost like someone coming, you know, I'm just you know, I'm just a really bad Martian. It's like, uh, what the, what, what, in, in what context, right? If, if you're unethical, then definitely you're doing it wrong. That's only, the only hard line I got is that if, if it's unethical, if you're doing other people harm, you're doing it wrong. As far as like, oh, whatever, you know, shit's not working out. You know, I, I wasn't ready for what I, I stepped into. Then, yeah, we, you, what you said, you, you know that you need to pull back, right? And think about, okay, what? steps what did i do in that relationship that contributed to it either being not as successful as i wanted to be um or what can i do for myself to where i walk into the next experience monogamous polyamorous whatever we want to call it where i feel like i'm setting my boundaries and i'm setting my expectations and i'm being open so yeah yeah, I agree with everything he says. Yeah. Also, just one little addendum. Um, poly is a bit of a catch-all, just from a just verb like um, language point of view. Poly is a bit of a catch-all word. Um, I always like, what does that mean to you, and what does that look like for you? Is a really good question to ask. Like. I actually agree that with personally, I think monogamy similarly, like we say, oh, monogamy, but we don't, you still need to investigate what that is because like is, is sexting somebody cheating is watching porn cheating. Even monogamy has like some definitions needed and, and, and poly or polyamory or open relationships, even that, like you need clarity on what that looks like for the other person. So you might have just come out of a, a poly relationship but like what was that relationship really looked like you know and it does that doesn't now mean that you're not good at poly overall it's just like that just didn't work for you so investigate what didn't work for you and i bet there are things that did work for you so like those are your takeaways and what didn't work is where there's room for adjustment so it's to say like i'm not good at poly ever because like what does that really mean like what are you not good at like what is, which part of it that you're not good at you need to identify that does that, does that make sense 
uh, first time Foxer. Hi, panel. Hey. Woo. Welcome. Um, I recently and all the time have uh, compersion moments, but recently are like a really great one. But I was wondering what some of your favorite compersion moments are, some of your happy poly moments. It's not exactly a moment, but I remember the first um, the first time I really experienced that uh, very firmly. It was, uh, I mean, it, it makes total sense, but um, I was with uh, my girlfriend's uh, boyfriend at the time. They're married now. Um, these are the part downstairs partners uh, Effie was talking about. Um, and uh, we're up. Yeah. Well, no, this is it. Yeah. Um, he, I was talking to him and, uh, I was very new to this all. And he was like, Oh, like, I love you two together. Like this is, that's so like, you make her so happy. You know, we were, we were already saying that we loved each other, um, at this point in our relationship. He was like, I, I love that so much that you guys, like you, you make her so happy. Um, and like, I love her, you she loves you, you make her happy, that makes me happy. Like, this all is so, like, I'm like, f fuck, that, like, that makes, that was the first time someone really articulated that to me that way. Like, I love that you love her because that makes her happy and it makes me happy and that's great. So, um, the, the moments I have most often are just, um, when my partner, is with someone that makes her really excited and that makes me really excited that excitement i'm able you know we pull into our relationship it's a it's sort of a selfish act all these other things we do because every other partner every other relationship really fuels our relationship um um, my favorite compersion, compersive moment was um, I was the best ma'am in my partner and his, his now wife's wedding. Um, and it was so nice. Um, and I'm like, oh, um, it was so nice to be asked to be in the wedding and to be the best ma'am and the ring bearer and to be there, um, to be included in that way and just just to sort of even when we see the pictures now like I'm so glad I was there and I can tell how compersive because I can see like there's a giant smile on my face I'm like <laughs> um, and I think for me that was definitely like where I really felt I was soaking in it and it was like it felt good um, and it was like feeling included and feeling joyful and it was all of our friends and and like and I was right there in the wedding so that's definitely one I love a moment that's a bit almost kind of in in reverse, meaning that I was I was seeing that being modeled to me. But I think it's so important. It was so important to be on the receiving end to seeing that that was possible, and it happened where. So I was uh, starting. I, w I actually hadn't even started dating this person, but I was, something was building up, and I was definitely developing feelings towards him. And uh, it was away, so uh, during that time, it was a long-distance kind of acquainting. So I happened to to meet one of his partners, almost like before kind of getting closer to him. But there, there was definitely a build-up happening, and she was aware of that. And uh, so, and and we met, and I was like, that was kind, that was really my first true metamorph experience. And I was like, well, how's that? How's that gonna be? What is she gonna think of me? Oh my god! And uh, and we met at an event, and it was it was adorable. I mean, and uh, at the end of the evening, I remember she she came to me and she said, "Oh, you're so cool! I'm so glad I met you." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is possible!" And uh, and then 
And so it was really like the, the beginning to really pierce the veil. I was like, oh, wow, it is possible to support each other as women, you know, loving the same man. Oh, my God, it was amazing. And it was going to happen that soon after that, I was uh, basically going to meet with this uh, m- man where he was. And uh, and uh, and when I, as I was flying on my way there and, and during when I was making a connection and, and I was texting this woman and and she basically texted me like best wishes for the connection that I was gonna have uh, have a great time and I was like oh my god oh my god this is this is true it happens uh, this is this is possible so I, I carry the moment so dear in my heart and there's been there have been you know many following that but I think that um that was a very power left a really such a powerful blueprint you know that, that yeah that this is what i want to experience you know supporting each other in that uh, in a way tapping into it's so much of reframing from a habit of scarcity that we have that if i have some i, I take away from someone else and really seeing that the more you know experience of love adds to everyone so but that was definitely that's definitely um a favorite moment yeah I don't know if I have a favorite moment. Um, these are great stories. It feels good. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really in love with uh, joy, and I just like people to be happy and, and experience it. And I mean it's sincerely. Uh, there's probably two recently. Um, uh, one person uh, was having some like communication issues with their primary partner, and. Uh, we just started talking about just communication and connection and how to bring up things that we feel and we desire. And then they were using them and they were like, oh, this is working out so well. And, and we had such a great conversation the other day. And I feel so good about just being able to talk to you because then I'm I'm going home and my primary partner and we're starting to like, you know, get out of that rut. And, you know, and, and that feels really good. The second one is I, I'm not I'm not really a voyeur. Um no one in here who knows me should say something contrary to the fact. <laughs> but I was I, I was at a party recently with someone who's uh, maybe it might be less than six months uh, into polyamory and, and everything, and uh, they had a just amazing sexual experience with someone uh, who just popped up and was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And um, they came to me after, but they were like, "You, you were just sitting there and you were laying there, just just smiling and." I think at one point you gave me a wink or whatever, and uh, and I had this biggest grin on my face. It was so it was so awesome to see, but not uh, the act of sex because you listen. You've seen one doggy style, you've seen them all, but it was it was more the fact that this person was finally like f- like fully realizing uh, something that they desired. Like wow, you know, like I want to get out here and 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 felt like wow, I I came to the party with with LT and he, and. It's it's great. Like it's fully supportive. I don't feel like I need to censor myself. I don't feel like I need to diminish myself and I can just be open. And that was what brought so much joy to my face, you know, not so much just seeing it. Yeah. It all feels very good. I'm just like, yeah. So I feel like I've been in this conversation for about a decade and I've gone through these periods of being really curious and exploring it in small ways and then being really resistant. So I'm really grateful to be here. And kind of to piggyback off of the last question, I'm curious to hear of stories where you have had an experience of jealousy with a lover or a partner. And is it something that, like, what is it like for you? Do you have an internal kind of 
coming to a resolution about it or is it something that you always share with the person that it came up with? I would just love to hear stories about that. That's a me super important question. And it's to me, it, I think I long before uh, getting into poly, I was having a habit of suppressing my jealousy and thinking, Oh no, that's not cool. You doesn't have to show up. You know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're above that. You, and uh, I think that's been one, a great, great learning experience to, to really change my relationship towards it. Meaning, I want to feel that if it's there. I really want to make space for that. It's okay, you know. And I actually remind myself, I can't force myself into compersion. It's going to arise naturally as, as, as I, you know, the mindset shifts. But... Jealousy sometimes comes there. For me, you know, I think it's such a different experience probably for everyone. But for me, it comes up as usually as a very kind of gut feeling of, of fear, really fear. It's like, oh, wow, something is going on. So, I mean, I, because I have the habit of sensing and things come up very transparently for me, I, I almost say like when it happens, if someone is with me, they are going to see it. You know, it's almost going to be impossible not to notice that. So some, but, and, but the way I approach it is that I, I just want to feel that, you know, make some space for that. So generally I say something like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling something. Can we just slow down for a moment? And I'm noticing I'm, I've had some reaction to what you just shared with me. I just, and I, you know, and for me, it's just, I need to breathe through that, feel what is that telling me? Is it, you know, and it can be many different things at times. It can be something related to a sense of self-worth. It can be something related to a sense of safety or trust or security. So the what to do next would depend, but most really most often <laughs> is about even just having that space that the person who's with me can witness me, me in that place and hold it doesn't have to, he or she that they don't have to fix me but just uh, holding my hand for a moment that I'm having that moment of insecurity and often when when with that that kind of slowly melts or dissipates uh, and so we have with one of my partners this thing that we <laughs> say like tenderness alerts <laughs> you know before entering some conversation like, are you do you are you in a space where you can hear that and uh, and you know it's also about letting people because <sighs> we're so used to you know maybe to guilt each other in some way or you need to change something about what you're doing and so sometimes uh, I need to spend some time to let people know, no, I'm not saying that it's your fault or, you know, not necessarily. I mean, it may happen that something you want to change something, you know, but most often is really just we're going to have feelings. We're going to trigger each other. You know, it's going to happen. <laughs> we're, and so I can you just can you just be with me there for a moment and see that pain? <sighs> and then it goes. And if it doesn't go, I keep seeking what what is it that what's the message what's the message i i want to be able to feel that because if i don't feel that i don't get the message and i don't know what to do with that yeah and i find that if you don't get the message it just gets louder exactly because its job is to be heard like yeah. the thing with your emotions or their, their job is to be heard and the, if you if you don't listen it just gets louder because it's just trying to be heard and i think that's if you resist it persists idea yeah. um so i think and maybe one part that's important that I think in that is also once that comes up to then start discerning how, how much of that is, you know, coming from 
an actual situation that I'm seeing, how much of that is coming from a story that I'm telling myself mm-hmm. about that. And that also helps me navigate because sometimes I really realize that something is happening, but I'm telling myself that that's because I'm not mm-hmm. enough or that's because, you know, he doesn't care. That's And so that about the story I have a lot of power because I can I you know I can change the story I'm telling myself if it's truly a behavior that I'm concerned about then yeah it may be need for a dialogue and maybe see if some change is needed so I wanted to mention yeah, that sure um, my, my jealousy experience is similar it, it, it kind of feels like fear mostly I feel it mostly like pit of my stomach right and it's like a twisting motion um, and uh I know it enough um, and I've experienced enough that I'm not afraid of it. So I just know what it is. I'm like, oh, here it is. And, and the story part, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Um, and the story part is where it resonates with you most. In, in my household, we actually use the term, I have a story in my head that. So we will address the story. We'll start the sentence with, I have a story in my head that. And then we'll then share the story. And what it allows is, even if it means, even if you're saying something like, I have a story in my head that you don't care about me, is very different than you don't care about me. Because the person has space to reflect on the story rather than feel they need to be defensive, right? Especially if they feel like they care about you deeply. And often in these situations, the other person is like, I love you. Like, you know, and then that's, I, I mean, I, I work with people all the time and I see this repeat over and over again. And a good hack that I give them is just to address the story as a story. And it gives people space to be like, okay, there's a story in the middle. Let's get curious about it. Why is it there? How it's showing up? Why is it showing up? You know, what's my part in it? Right. And then it can be addressed in that way. So often, for me, the, the sort of the way it goes is like, oh, I'm feeling discomfort. Oh, I necrotize discomfort. What is the story? Then I then I actually go ahead and say, I have a story in my head that da 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 da, mm-hmm. and that's how sort of. And then once you sort of address it, it dissipates really quickly for me. Once you get it out, and the other person is like, huh, yeah, that sucks. That's a that's a really shitty story, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's a really shitty story, right? And then you can have that space to talk about it, and no one's getting defensive, no one's feeling not heard. Um, so that's kind of how the the, the jealousy thing goes up, um, shows up for me. Yeah. Anybody else want to share their jealousy? I try to, um, like I said earlier, I really try to look at that feeling as envy. Um, because again, I think that envy is a useful feeling and something that I can um, respond to, whereas jealousy is kind of like, I'm supposed to have this, I don't have this, that's bad. You know, there's kind of no conclusion or no um, nothing to, to go off of from there. Uh, I've used to, I found, I... I, I feel it most i used to feel it most with like other men like at parties like you know like dating a girl that i'm interested in or you know like two girls on you know top of him at a party like man i'm like and then that's where i started to learn like this is um something that i desire like now now that i now now i see that and he he helped me articulate that um i'm gonna set that up for next time, right? That's a useful feeling. Now I can respond to that. The one, the th- the one time that I feel envy that is harder to respond to is when um, I, for example, my partner has a boyfriend and like they're able to share love with each other, and I don't have that at the moment, and that's a bit harder to set up, right? 
Um, it's really weird being like in a relationship looking for a relationship. That's very complicated and harder to fix. Um, I don't really have a good answer or solution to that other than, you know, it just supporting each other and yeah, I don't know. Again, like I said, with um, in seven years with my primary, we've been through every sort of different structure as like what the other relationships that we've had and what we've both needed and been going through. And we're still exploring new things after seven years. So yeah, that's the that's the one difficult thing that comes up. But mentioned envy and envy and jealousy, and people are just like uh, sometimes it's sort of confusing. Um, the th- the way that I make the distinction is jealousy is um, I want what you have, like I want what I want what you have, and envy is I want that too. Um, so that's a good way to kind of think about it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, everyone? So instead of like, I want what you have, and I want like, I want what you have, and I kind of want it, and I don't want you to have it anymore. I want it, versus oh, I want that too, and that's that's kind of envy, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you 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 yeah you uh, articulated that because uh, I I view jealousy as a coming from a place of lack, like there's something missing in my life in different areas. Um, not my personal life, but someone's personal life that feels jealousy. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I've, I've not felt jealousy. I don't think ever. I, I think I have felt insecurity in, uh, past monogamous relationships when I was much younger. Um, but I don't feel jealousy. There's, there's times and I na- and I say what I feel like I just comes up. So if someone says, Oh, uh, me and uh, Eric are going, you don't mind if I use your example, because it's not a real example, but let's just say, oh, me and Eric are going to whatever show. I'll just say, oh, I'd love to go to that show, right? And they'll go, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just saying I would love like to go to the show. Not that I don't want Eric to go to the show and I don't want you to go to the show with Eric. It just pops up. So whatever just pops up, I just kind of claim it, you know, as opposed to saying, fuck Eric, <laughs> right? Right, because 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 me that's 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 me that's jealousy. Where you're like, yo, fuck Eric. I hope he falls down the steps. Can't go to the show. I hope the sh- I hope the show gets canceled. See that to me that to me that is like some real jealousy as opposed to saying, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on something, right? Because there's no there's nothing else maybe for me, right? Because I know if I don't have a chance to go to this show, I can never go to the show, right? Because I'm relying so much on some uh, someone else fulfilling holes in my, my relationships. Like maybe I don't have a bet. Maybe I don't have good friends. Maybe I'm not building community. Maybe I don't feel unity with my housemates. Maybe I don't feel connected to my brother or my sister. I don't feel like I can reach out to anybody. Right. So I'm starting to feel insecure because the person that I feel like I need to be there for me is fulfilling their life in many ways. Right. And I need to step back. Okay. Well, well, what's missing in my life? Why did, why I'm, I'm glomming on to this person's relationship. Um, but you know, I, I, yeah, I have nothing to add cause I, I know I really don't feel <laughs> jealous. You don't feel jealousy. No, I don't That's feel. funny. Um, I have a last question. Unfortunately. Hi. So I'm a, I'm what you would call the pivot in a V formation. I'm dating two partners. Um, I've been with, and I love them both very dearly. Uh, I've been with one partner for uh, over a year and a half now. Uh, she has a husband that they've been together for over 10 years. Um, and my other partner I met in the past seven months, uh, the one sitting next to me. Um, and, you know, in, the, in those seven months, we've negotiated to become primary partners. Um, so my other partner is very supportive of this and is very co- consciously has been very vocal and supportive of this. But at the same time, has been going through a lot of uh, feelings. 
and feeling certain senses of loss and um even though our relationship is not necessarily it's not shrinking or access to each other is not changing but there's still feelings that are coming up and in me being the pivot in the middle i'm finding it sometimes difficult to figure out how much information about my two partners feelings should i share with each other because this is sometimes they've uh, <laughs> triggered some cycles of oh well why is she feeling upset and then that triggers the other person to get upset and then it creates a vicious cycle uh so i've been trying to stop the cycle and i think i've done a pretty good job in that we we all had cocktails last week and had like a nice sit down and you know everybody hashed it out and i feel like that's progress but how can i break the cycle how can we break the cycle and also facilitate a culture of compersion in our little polycule yeah. i'm sorry can i also add to that um i think this cycle of like her insecurity kind of like triggers me feeling threatened um and i actually i don't think that i am feeling jealous at all but i'm not necessarily and i have had feelings of compersion definitely um between the three of us generally it involves rope but um <laughs> i i don't necessarily have the feeling of compersion that i would like or the particularly um, let's say, like, they have a day, I don't feel jealous that they're together, but I don't necessarily always feel, like, joyous about it. And I guess it's, like, um, I for me, overcoming um, that, that, that cycle that we're going through at the moment, um, I think that's kind of what's getting in the way of me feeling the compersion that I would like. I don't, I don't know exactly what the relationship is between the three of you, like, it's how close you feel together. I mean, sometimes... Sometimes I'm just not feeling somebody. I mean, it, it wouldn't matter who they were, if they were dating them or not dating them. Sometimes I meet somebody, I'm just like, ah, I'm just not really feeling this person. You know, I just whatever. I just don't connect with them. Um, I can actually relate to part of the story. Don't pillow talk. So pillow talk is like you, you have to. I think one of the things I would suggest doing is talking to partners about what they're comfortable with you sharing with another partner and what they're comfortable with hearing. Uh, I'll give you a, a personal example. I was, I didn't do that one time and I was just kind of not complaining about somebody, but just talking about my inability to understand where things were going wrong in my communication with another person, with a, someone else I was dating. And literally there was pillows, right? So there's pillow talk and uh, they, they had not met yet. You know, but I just like, I, I just don't understand. I'm like, I, you know, something's happening. Uh, community, uh, something, I don't know, everything, whatever. And I did that for probably too long, unconsciously. And then the partner I was with was like, I don't know. Just don't ever introduce me to this person. And I was like, oh, shit. Right. But I, I didn't ask. And I ended up apologizing. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't even ask if you were okay with hearing about this. You know, I just dove right in because I'm like, oh, I, I care about this partner. I love them. I want to share with them. I want to talk to someone. And I just started going, right? And I created a, an, a situation where it, it soured a relationship that didn't even have a chance, right? Because they're individual outside of me, right? Just because I'm, you know, whether I'm a hinge or a linchpin or a V or whatever, uh, regardless of what the term is, it, it, it doesn't mean that they're these people are not autonomous and they don't have their own agency. They have a right to develop a relationship with each other um, outside of me influencing that, right? They may like each other more than they like me, you know? And that's fine, right? But I have to allow that to happen. So I think the only thing advice I would give you is ask. Say, hey, what, what are, you, are, you, are you okay with me sharing about our relationship with other people? 
and that person and, and give them space to answer. Don't say, I need to know now. I got a meeting. Uber's outside. <laughs> Get, say, say, hey, I want you to think about it. You know, it's not necessary. I don't have to talk about it. I don't need to talk to them about it. Maybe find another friend. Call Eric. <laughs> talk. You know, a, a non-biased person is always better. Someone else that's not emotionally attached to relationship is better. Just like you said, now you don't feel the compersion you want to feel. You know, sometimes I don't feel the, I can't, this is recorded. But anyway, <laughs> sometimes you don't feel the high you want to feel, right? And, and that's, that's perfectly fine. So yeah, no, no pillow talk. Also, compersion is something you cultivate. Like it is, it, literally in Buddhism, like Buddha says it's the hardest virtue to cultivate, you know? And it is not something that you just like, you know, I want to be compersive and then you're compersive. Like you have to cultivate it and not force it um, and just see the joy and just recognize the joy or, or the lack of it without judging. I think that's the other part of it. And like also investigate the story. Right. What is what's in the, what's the story that's in the way of you feeling the compersion that you want, which is intru- that, that sort of made me think I was like, that's what I was thinking on. Like, what is the compersion that you want to feel like? That seems very specific. So if you're that specific, there's a story somewhere. So I would like look at the story of what's in the way um, and also just realize it takes time. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes exposure. It takes your fears. Like for me, it just needs to the things in my head are scarier than the reality. Like the stories I make up are always scarier than, than what's happening. Like the jealousy I feel is always scarier in my head than it is in reality. So what I need is like exposure. Like I need to face that fear, realize it's no way as scary as I think it is. And over time it like calms down and there's space for compersion. So like you guys are doing this, you're so new. The relationship is new. Uh, polyamory is new in that particular dynamic. Like you just need to give yourself some time to let those fears like collect new data, you know, and let those fears like face those fears and eventually they'll like die, die down and there'll be space for compersion. So patience really is what I would say. Yeah. I think it also, uh, to me, it makes me think about two things. One is that, I, in my experience, say that that, that that the experience of compersion uh, grows on a sense of that my needs matter, and that is kind of perceived and shared by all the people involved. Like everyone's needs matter, and when I sense like that genuine interest, you know, where we want to f- find a way to support that, is really something that that then kind of creates the ground with that for that genuine cooperation but that but then creating the ground is is it's not like a given you know like as 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 Effie said there's something of some um deliberate cultivate cultivation as you say and um and the other thing that was uh, that was coming to mind was uh, um to really some usually when i almost i want to say every experience of, of jealousy to me often reveals that I am kind of melting the, and let's try to say that, the, um, my needs that I, that I have with a specific person that I'm, that I think is supposed to meet them. So if I'm able to kind of step back and really, because in, in my view, needs, I'm, t- I'm talking about really qualities of experience that I'd like to have. So if I'm able to, to, to kind of step back and get into that, and into that perspective, okay, but there's this need and I can 
nurture that and and find ways to meet that independently or on or also in other ways than that specific person that also helped me usually in you I sometimes experience jealousy when I guess when I am too attached to my I call it my favorite strategy to meet that need and it's great to have them because we have relationships for you know for for you know for that because they work well to meet our needs but to be able to experience that I can still care, um, you know, meet that need in some way, then can allow me to let go a bit of the, maybe the expectations on, on other people. This is something too. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, the, the labels become a little bit blurrier when um, you're able to date anyone in a way. Uh, the way that you described, you have a V now, right? But you guys are now primaries. So, like, I have a primary relationship. I kind of, if I were to describe the shape of uh, all of our, let's say, it's a spider web. It's there's like every. I have a relationship with every single person I know. Some are more serious. Some are, you know, in the in transition. Um, but the. Different people structure their relationships differently. Um, some are like more anarchy about it, and you know, non-primary. I've had a primary since for seven years, and to me, it's always the shape has always been the two of us with every other relationship coming off of it. And, and again, there's some of them are W's or, or X's or you know, some kind of uh, p- pentagon or crazy <laughs> crazy shapes. Um, but I think. What you need to look at in that is what is that other part of the V, what is that connection point and what does she need? And if she's feeling insecure or like nervous about it or it's because you're the other half of the V, the shape is changing and that connection is changing in a way. Um, And so I think you want to really just connect and and make sure you're on the same page about what she needs and what you need from that relationship um like i said because it's all it it becomes very blurry as you know like we're boyfriend and girlfriend and monogamous and that's that right well as soon as it can be anything then there's very it becomes very difficult to articulate and to define things so the more you can kind of define what what she's needing from that and um then you can put the work into this other relationship which congratulations on becoming primary and uh and and still keep that other one healthy i think you know you want to work on both and uh, we're actually even over time so we do have to wrap up um thank you so much so i have a um couple of announcements and a bunch of thank yous because there are a lot of people who work hard to make this um this happen as of today our facebook group is now searchable for a while we're secret so it was like hard to find it but Facebook changed their privacy settings, which means we can have the group without revealing who's in it. So we still get to keep everyone's privacy. Come and join the Facebook group. Um, the conversation carries on there. Um, we're there. We, we, we watch it all the time and, and happy to, um, to um, connect with you over there. 
Jackie, did you have something to add? Yeah, yeah so go to ahead. To your point, right. So we couldn't get to all the questions today, but if you have questions that didn't get answered, there are a few different ways you can get them answered. One is office hours. On Thursdays, Effie's going to be answering questions from the, from the group. And so if you have a question, you can reach out via Facebook. You can reach out via Instagram. Get us your question. She's going to answer questions. And then also, if you are uh, supporting us via Patreon, there are opportunities for us to do Google Hangouts and to answer specific questions there. And we answer Patreon questions first. And so if you want to do that, so there are different ways for you to get in touch with us if you have more questions. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Um, and before we leave, I have a, a, a first and foremost, thank you so much to my, my panelists. Thank you so much. Um, you guys are awesome. This wouldn't happen without you. So thank you very much. Um, yes. This episode was produced and edited by Thomas Kavanagh. Thanks to Dave Saha, who composed our intro music. Special thanks to Jackie Niesler, Laura Holland, and the New Women's Space in Brooklyn, New York. Until next time, stay curious. 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 Stay curious.